Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. Today's podcast guest is Jeff Oxford, the founder and SEO director of 180 Marketing, a marketing agency that specializes in providing low-cost e-commerce SEO. Jeff is a Google Analytics certified SEO expert with over 200 plus SEO campaigns under his belt. He is a pro at keyword research, website diagnostics, and link building. He is also the founder of Link Hunter, an email outreach platform that helps businesses find links effectively. He joins us to discuss his corporate journey, the challenges in e-commerce SEO, and also the most critical ranking factors in 2021. All right, you guys. Hey, Shane Barker here. Uh, thank you guys for tapping into the Marketing Growth Podcast. I have with me today, Jeff Oxford. Uh, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? I'm doing good, Shane. Thanks for having me on. Good. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I was, I'm glad you're able to make some time for us. I, I'll tell you, I was excited about having you on today. We've had some past guests that have, that have touched on SEO, but we haven't had anybody with your expertise when it comes to e-commerce. So we're excited about to be able to, to drill deep into that and kind of what you got going. You guys have niched down and once again, e-commerce SEO, if, you, if you've tried it, you're, you know, if anybody out there has tried it, it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, it definitely, this, and we brought Jeff on because he has years of expertise and, and he's going to tell us some strategies on being able to, to do that and do it effectively. Before I drill down into e-commerce SEO with Jeff Oxford, I'd like to mention that there are other forms of marketing that can work wonders for e-commerce companies, like influencer marketing and content marketing. In fact, my team and I managed to deliver three and a half times ROI for our clients just with effective influencer marketing campaigns. I'd like to take a minute to explain to you guys what kind of services we offer at Shane Barker Consulting. You can contact us for end-to-end influencer marketing, online PR, and content marketing. We can provide results-oriented consultations and manage services at competitive prices. For more details on how we can help you, visit our website at shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. And now let's get back to our conversation with Jeff. Once again, excited about chatting with you today, but what I usually do to start off the podcast is I usually kind of talk a little bit about the individual, right? So obviously you've got uh, 180 Marketing. Um, We're going to talk about that and your expertise, but I'd like to, to talk a little bit about yourself. I know that you've uh, you know, you've got a remote team. Anyways, there's some synergies that we've got there, and I just wanted to, to touch on that. But let's let's go into you, you as an individual, Jeff. So where did you where did you grow up at, man? I grew up in Encinitas, which is in San Diego, California. So I was a not, little little beach kid. Yeah, not a bad little place to to, not to a bad to place. Grow up. Highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, if you can dude. afford it. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not cheap. But San Diego is like what does it say? I think it stays like 79 degrees, pretty much like it's, 365. It's as close as you can get to perfect. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely beautiful weather down there. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of San Diego. So how big was your family in San Diego? Just uh, mom, dad, and I got one younger brother. Gotcha. And then how old's your younger brother? Let's see. I'm, I'm like 33 right now, so he's like 30. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So not, not, a, not a big family. Yeah, Except pretty a little, small. A little San Diego family just out there. Any surfing, anything fun out there? Gosh, I was, uh, my, my dad was really big into surfing from like the 70s and tried to push me and my brother into it, but we were too busy playing our video games. So didn't do a whole lot of surfing growing up. That's it. I hear you. I hear you. See, I, I get that. So it's funny back in the day when I was, uh, when I was younger, I mean, I was, you know, 16, 17, there was like, I remember the one time I went to a church camp and they were, um, I also used and, to go to church camps. <laughs> yeah. And this was in, where were we? I think we were in Kansas. And anyways, the, the funny part was, is because I was from California, they were like, oh, you're from California. Like, oh, you must surf. Like if you're in California, like, do you surf to school? And I'm like, <laughs> no, like, I how it works. in a while because I said, my board doesn't fit my locker. And they're like, are you serious? Oh yeah. That's the reason why, bro. I'm like, that's all we do. Surf's up, buddy. 
And I'm like, no, just because I'm from California, which is cool. I mean, it's not a bad image to have. Everybody assumed that, you know, Pamela Anderson was, yep. you know, my girlfriend and stuff like that, <laughs> which we were close. I mean, we did kiss once, but I don't want to go into like start rumors or anything like that. Um, but speaking of interesting facts, anything, you know, and I, I lied a little bit about Pamela, that never happened, but any interesting facts on your side, bud? Anything fun about growing up? Anything interesting about I the mean, area? One, one you... thing that's kind of cool, and I, I just thought of this now, you talking about surfing to school, surfing to school. My school actually had surf PE. So if you didn't want to take regular PE, you could just go get one to the beach and surf for an hour. Dude, that is awesome. That's, you know, it's funny. So I'm in Sacramento. We actually had um, wakeboarding. That's I was cool. able to take wakeboarding. Yeah. So that was, I was like, do they do not have wakeboarding? And I wasn't like a huge wakeboarder, but it was like, they, and they taught you out there and you go out there on the boat. Of course it was a little, your class was an hour long, but it you know took some time to get out mm-hmm. there, but it was like a great, I can imagine surfing. Like you're like, yeah. this is, this is extracurricular. This is what we got going. This is awesome. Um, so cool. Once that's man, that is cool. You can't go wrong with a little surf action. Um, and then where are you, where do you currently live now? You're still in San Diego? I'm in Bend, Oregon. So I, I kind of got priced out of California. So I, uh, I just head north like the, I don't know if you've you got friends, but so many Californians are moving to Oregon. They're moving everywhere. Oregon, I'll Texas, that Arizona. Right now. Like it yeah. is, it is, you know, and not to, to get heavy into politics, but there, I'll tell you right now, I, I myself, even though I love California, my wife and I recently in the last year talked about moving just because of, mm-hmm. which the awesome part is, is that if you own a piece of property here and you can pretty much go anywhere in the United States and have yep. a lot of money left over and buy a beautiful home. So um, we've actually entertained that as well. I mean, I, I do love the state of California, but it's not cheap. Not cheap, man. It it's is, not, it's, yeah, especially you know running a business. Those those taxes will get you. They'll get you every time. They'll get you every time. And, and the crazy part is, if you don't pay, then they knock on your door and they come to your house. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I can't confirm that, but I'm just saying, rumor has yeah. it that they'll they'll find they'll, you. They'll get they'll get their money. That's for sure. Always, always get their money. Um, so cool. So you're in Bend, Oregon. How do you like Bend, Oregon? Dude, I I love it. I mean, you know, sure, I don't have the beach. The weather's not as good, but it does, you know, it doesn't get too cold. It doesn't get too mm-hmm. hot surrounded by beautiful mountains high you know great place to go hiking streams rivers waterfalls so i'm not complaining no that's awesome man that's you know we like it's getting my wife and i have looked at actually our plan this summer was to go to like there's about 10 cities on our on our map of like places we just want to go check out because we're we love the outdoors you know i mean mm-hmm. i do like the beach but i'm you can't people can't tell this from the podcast but i'm extremely white milky skin like i might look dark here it's because i have lighting so but i'm not a dark like so if i go to the beach it's like dangerous because i'm irish and we'll just burn but um, but the mountains and all that kind of stuff is like we're huge fans and then foodies as well so there's like some some things that we have like what are we you know where we want to move and with certain things that we're looking at so we might have to add ben to that that list if it's a good mountain town i mean it's we're looking in colorado too because of that i mean it's just yeah. got you know great place to travel so anyways we'll check that out so where did you, did you go to school in San Diego? You go to college in San Diego? Born and raised in San Diego. Um, grew up there, went to San Diego State University, had some fun. So I was in San Diego till about 2014. Then I moved to the Philippines for a few years, lived over there. And then I came back and you know, my wife and I settled down in Bend, Oregon. That's awesome. And is it the Aztecs, right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Look at that, huh? Who knew? I can't remember my wife's birthday, but I can remember that that, that, that San Diego State is out. I won't tell her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she doesn't listen to my podcast, so we should okay, be safe. Fair. But I'm sure one of her friends might, or who knows? I don't know. I've only two listeners. I didn't tell you that before we started the podcast, but it's my mom and my aunt, and they're huge fans, and they love e-commerce, so they're going to be super pumped gonna be, about they're this. They're going to love this one. Yeah, they're they're that's. I was like, mom, get your notepad ready. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then what was your major? Major in college? Major to finance, business finance. finance. 
Nice, nice, My, nice. Minor I'll tell you. partying and drinking. So I was going to say San Diego. I think that's I. Can we say maybe you majored in that, or do you think you get a double <laughs> major? I mean, it's. I, I yeah, I guess it depends who you ask. That's true. That's true. I get it. I get. It. I'm not judging you. I went to I went to school in Chico and opened a bar in Chico, oh, yeah, California. Fair. So you Chico, don't. You guys I mean, got a reputation there too. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we definitely do. Um, good times out there, but um, also finance. That's interesting. So I, you know, tell you, man, I have nothing but respect for people that are in finance. It's. I, I took, you know, my macroeconomics and microeconomics and I was like, man, I, I don't think I could ever do finance. In fact, even now I just hired a CFO to look at my stuff because I'm just, t- numbers are not my thing. Like I'm definitely obviously on the marketing side and business development and sales, but man, when it comes to numbers, I'm just like, I, I just try to sell more. And that's usually my goal. And it's just not, that's just not the way that it is. Yeah. I, it, it's a tough one, but um, you know, you get some good, like, you know, I'm sure working at SEO, you use Excel a lot. So there's definitely a few skills that transfer over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just try to find people that are smarter than me. And that's, that's not, <laughs> that's that's not that hard. It. Yeah, that's it. That's not that hard. I'm like, just got to find somebody smarter. So, um, and then what was your first job out of college, man? I worked for Target as one of their assistant managers. And I was, I was super excited about it. But I only lasted about three months before I got fired. I, I just mm. am not retail. My brain does not do good with retail. I just couldn't figure out the system, how it all works. And, you know, so I, I did that and then I got fired. I'm like, I heard you could make money online. So my roommate and I started a blog and that's actually how I started SEO. It's just self-teaching, trying to make money online. I love it. I'll tell you. So I know that, you know, out of my, the college that I graduated from, that Target was a big employer, but I do know they also had a high turnover rate because it's like yes. you, that you start off with what, 60 hours a week. I mean, they come in like, here's your salary. And but now That's you're never exactly going it. home. It's like, yeah, uh, we, they, we were expected to do like minimum 10 hour days, but everyone pretty much did 12 hour days. And that's like, you know, working weekends and holidays. So I looking back for sure, a blessing in disguise, but at the time, you know, you get a little, you get a little bummed. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it's so hard. I think that was also Enterprise Rent-A-Car was another one that was yes. like a oh, huge yeah, employer. Everywhere. Yeah. And they were like, hey, bring it in. And then all of a sudden I got, you know, guys here in Sacramento that's 110 degree weather. They're in a full suit washing a car. Jeez. And they're just like, dude, this is not, this is not for me. And I was like, man, thank God I've got my own business. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't go that route, but I mean, you know, it's once again, good restart off of the salary and you're getting it, but they get the young, the hopefuls, you know, that come through and say, Hey, let's, I got it. I'm going to go and do this. And you're like, God, these 12 hours I'm young, but I, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it starts to, starts to add up. And that for some people, that's awesome. Like, Hey, not saying it's, you know, it's not for some people and, you know, stability and you got a nice paycheck coming in and you're working for a, a good company. So once again, not, not downing anybody that's doing that, but definitely it's, it's hard. It's, it's, that's serious, serious grind work right there. Um, it's funny, you, your background's a little similar to mine. Like I jumped into SEO, not just SEO because I just started doing a blog, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I kind of had to learn it. You know, there wasn't, when I was doing SEO, there wasn't even calling it SEO. I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm, I'm old. I'm like really old, like We'll go into numbers, but old. Um, so cool. I want to talk about like your, you know, starting 180 marketing, right? Because I definitely want to touch on that because you have, as we, I touched on a little earlier, the e-commerce side of things, which I know personally, you know, we've worked with clients in the past with that and we opted out of it because it's, it's difficult. It's not easy, man. And you guys have really has gone and excelled at that and really kind of made that your, your, your thing that you guys have done. So when did you start working in the e-commerce space? Like, give me a little background here. So back in, let's say I quit 
or I was at, I, I got fired from Target back in 2010. And I still remember my first SEO job was like February of 2011, like a week before the first Panda update. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, uh, so I, and I try to make, I was always trying to make some money on the side by starting different blogs. And my first e-commerce site that I, I, I built using open cart back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> drop shipped beer pong tables. So here I am right out of college. I'm thinking, what's something that people want to buy that's hard to find at local stores? You know, from my years of experience minoring in beer pong and drinking, I thought it was mm-hmm. a perfect fit. So um, I started drop, set, drop shipping beer pong tables back in 2011. And I'd say that's probably my start to e-commerce and SEO with e-commerce. That's funny. I did see that you had a beerpongstadium.com. Wasn't that that's what you it. had done? Well, well yeah. found. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd heard something about that. I was like, okay, this guy's, he's super San Diego. Like when you got the beer pong <laughs> and that's Chico too, man. It was, yep. I got a funny little story. So my son ended up going to Chico, which is a kind of a crazy story. But I, what was funny about it was my wife and I was kind of telling my wife, like, you know, Chico's to drink in town. And she, she went to, obviously went to college, but didn't go to like a big party school. And she goes, oh, okay. And so we like drove into town. And this was like a Friday. It was like around noon or something. And everybody's at the ping pong and they're playing, you know, ping pong and they're doing this and drinking and shirts off and, you know, and guns out. And my wife's like, is this like a movie set or something? And I go, <laughs> I go, baby, this is like, this is college. This is like the, the frat house. Uh, she didn't really get that. I mean, my wife's extremely smart, but just wasn't in the party mm-hmm. scene. And, you know, for, for, you know, if you tell some people like beer pong, they're like, what do you mean beer pong? But for me, I was like, look at this guy, beer pong. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So, so you started by shipping those things out. You guys obviously didn't, you just did like drop shipping. It was just like drop situation. shipping. Yeah, exactly. You know, here I am with, you know, 24 years old. Yeah, I didn't have a huge budget for like inventory and, and all that stuff yet. That's awesome. And then, so that's how you grinded your teeth in the e-commerce space. Huh? That, so I, at the same time, I was working for an SEO agency. So I, was, I worked for a few different SEO agencies, but then like, you know, on my goal was to always leave an SEO agency and like start my own thing. So on the side, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to, I've tried a blog with AdSense. I tried an e-commerce site with uh, drop shipping. So I've tried pretty much everything, but yeah, it was just kind of doing it myself. You, you really learn what works and what doesn't pretty quickly. Well, and that's the thing is you kind of touched on this. Like that's, I think that's the best way to learn. Now you have Udemy, you've got all kinds of different mm-hmm. platforms. And I do think colleges over time will start to, you know, to focus more on, you know, you know, whether it be SEO or content marketing and really start to, to kind of educate the kids on how to do that. But I, you know, back in the day, there was nothing like you didn't, your SEO thing was like, like, what did you look up? There was just not a lot mm-hmm. of resources, you know, and now there's tons of resources, which is awesome. I mean, there's great blogs out there. You could go get, you know, good information from. So, how did you, you're grinding your teeth, you're, you're doing the ping pong thing, obviously. And then at what point did you decide to start 180 marketing? So I, uh, you know, I had beer pong stadium going on the side. I was working for one smaller agency and then uh, moved on to another SEO agency. And uh, I, I got to the point, I just finished reading four hour work week, which really kind of set my trajectory in action. And, um, you know, I, I, I made one, as soon as I had six months of savings in my bank account, I, I quit, I resigned, and then I, I kind of focused on um, half my time was going towards my, my side projects like Beer Pong Stadium, my e-commerce sites. The other half was going towards consulting just to have some steady revenue coming in. I love that. So at what point, so it's, it's so funny, like it's, I don't know if you, it's like how you really understand the magnitude of Tim's book, of him writing that book. And like, because I, it, it actually comes up a lot with people with interviews that I've done. I mean, I've done probably hundreds of interviews at this point, but it's funny how much people have read that, especially when you start looking at remote 
working, right? And I know that you have, um, you were in the Philippines for a while yep. and stuff like that. So I think that's a kind of the, a backbone to, to what you've built, which is interesting, right? Um, I also have, you know, people that I've worked with all over the world. My team is also fully remote. Um, so it's just, a, it's kind of interesting, but at that book, I think definitely it, it changed so many people's lives and the way they looked at work and how they did things. Mm-hmm. So what, um, tell me a little bit about the Philippines. Cause I want to like, is that one of the reasons you moved out there to kind of check some things out or was it just cause you looked that, at the Philippines and said, that's where I want to go. That was a big part of it. So, um, you know, I quit my job in, in 20 middle of 2013 and I, I, you know, this probably applies to a lot of people listening. You, you want to travel, but you either have time and not enough money or you have money, not enough time. Well, this was the first time in my life where I actually had a little bit of both where, you know, I, I um, just got out of a relationship. I just left my job. I didn't really have anything really hold me back. And I, I had a little bit of money in the bank that I'd saved. So I'm like, you know what? Now is the perfect time to travel. And I always want to live, try living somewhere else. I mean, here I am born and raised in San Diego, never really experienced living in another city. So I'm just like, you know, let's just like mix it up a whole bunch. And so I, I went to the Philippines <clears throat> mainly because I want to go to Southeast Asia, but um, you know, Philippines is the only place in Southeast Asia where literally everyone speaks fluent English. Like you could be way off the beaten path and, and, and see someone riding a carabao and they'll speak English. So, um, so yeah, I, I went there and, and had an awesome time, you know, uh, met a lot of good people had, had a lot of fun, but I was also able to start building a team in the Philippines while I was there. Cause as my, my freelancing became less freelancing, more of just a business, um, I was right in the weeds, ready to get some people to help me out. That's awesome. You're in, in the, in the Mecca of, of virtual assistance. That's not a, a, not a bad place to be and extremely nice people. I'll tell oh, you, yeah. I've, I mean, just over the top, over the top. Nice. So, okay. So you're building this out. So you're starting to build your team on the e-commerce side of things. Um, what are, I mean, what have you seen? Obviously you've been doing this a long time. What are some like, give me some personal experience of like some of the common issues that you've seen that are holding like e-commerce sites from getting ranked. Like what are some of the most common things that you see that the first thing you look at, like we look at these three things because most e-commerce, most e-commerce websites don't do this, 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 and this. So I'd say like in general, um, it's going to be not having any content on category pages just because Google's going to look at that keyword rich content to help rank. Um, but the biggest thing I see is backlinks. I mean, if you're in e-commerce, you're going up against like Bed Bath & Beyond, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, Amazon, Wayf- like there's, there's so many big retail brands that have like waken up to the idea of how important SEO is. So they're, they're really investing a lot into it. So part of it is just pure backlinks. Like you're never going to have a higher domain rating or domain authority than some of these big box retailers. Um, So you really just got to go focus more link building on like an individual page. So like, you know, whatever your most important category pages, you're going to have to build up the authority with a lot of backlinks to that particular page. So I'd say content backlinks. And then if you have a, you know, a lot of each, e-commerce sites are going to be thousands of pages or tens of thousands of pages or even hundreds of thousands of pages. So I'd say one of the biggest challenges for large e-commerce sites is just going to be your, your site structure. Like how do you get Google to crawl everything? How do you get it to do it efficiently? Um, so I'd say those are kind of the, the top three things that I see with e-commerce. Yeah, I love that. I, I think, you know, backlinks, I think site structure is probably something that most people don't think about, right? It's like, they don't really know, like you kind of hear about backlinks, and you kind of hear about content. Now, whether you do that right, and you get relevant backlinks is, is a whole nother conversation. But I'm with you. I mean, I think the issue is, is that you're when you're e-commerce, you just there's such big players, man, it's like being a real estate agent. They're like, I want to be number one for this keyword. I'm like, you have Zillow, and you have everybody else that's just crushing it. They've got millions of dollars 
that they probably spend on SEO. It's like, what do you, you got to figure out your little area to kind of get in to get your little piece of the pie, your one or 2%, whatever you can do there. So I love that. And then site structure, I think is, is important. And I think a lot of people, they don't understand what that means, right? Like what to make it searchable for Google. Google just cares about the fact that it can get on your site and know where things are at at an extremely fast rate. And if that doesn't happen, guess what? You're not indexed. That's so right. let's, you know, let's talk about that factor of, you know, how many seconds does it, if it takes too long, then Google's just like, now nah, move on to the next one. So what do you think? So let's say you're out here, we are in 2021, like which ranking factors do you think are most important for e-commerce websites? Like, are there some things, I mean, I know that, you know, obviously with SEO, a lot of the stuff has been the same, but were there any other ranking, ranking factors that you can think of that you're like, these are, these are some hot ones. I'll, I'll tell you some that most listeners probably have heard before, but then I have, uh, I have one or two that most people probably haven't heard. So backlinks is always going to be mentioned when you're talking about authority. I mean, you look at the search results, there's a huge trend between sites that rank at the top and, and sites that rank at the bottom. It's how many back, what's the domain rating and how many backlinks do they have going to those, those going to their pages. Um, so that's going to be one of the top issues. Another one is going to be um, ability. So like, what's the bounce rate? What's the time on site? Um, and people, you know, you hear a lot of SEO conspiracy theorists that are like, oh, don't use Google Analytics because they're using that data against you for your rankings. Um, but here's the thing. They don't have to use Google Analytics. They own Chrome and they own Android. And if you're a nerd like me and actually read their privacy policies, they can use that however they want internally. So there's you know, my, my theory is they're probably using a lot of that data. I mean, why wouldn't they to improve their, their, I mean, we already know they're using it for YouTube. Why wouldn't they do it for Google search to improve their uh, web search algorithm? So I'd say um, number two would be user engagement, bounce rates, things like that. Um, and then, you know, the third would be how hyper-focused is a website? So let's say, um, you know, we'll stick with e-commerce. If, if let's say I, I launch uh, website A, that sells everything. It's like a little mini Amazon. I got all a huge catalog. And then there's another website that just sells uh, tech products. And then there's another website that just sells um, uh, phone accessories. And another website that just sells iPhone accessories. And another website that just sells um, iPhone 11 accessories. So as you get more hyper-focused, all things considered equal, you're going to rank better. That's why if you're in the search results, oftentimes if you're looking at the SERPs and look at some link metrics, you'll see like, how is this one like, domain rating 15 site, like beating all these giants. Well, it's because they're more hyper-focused on that one thing. So I, you almost never hear people talk about it, but the trend's definitely there. And all things considered equal, if your product catalog is kind of more scoped in, um, that's going to help your rankings a lot more. Yeah, I see that with a lot of like the niche sites that you can build, right? Of like these, yeah. these things where you can build them out. It's about, you know, hunting knives or something like this, That's right? Exactly You're like it. very specific and you can have 30 different types, but that way Google looks at it and says, Hey, when it comes to hunting knives, it should be Shane's website opposed to Cabela's, let's say as an example. Mm -hmm. Right. Assume you can, you know, to, to outrank them, but yeah, it's interesting. I think that's awesome. I think that's, that's, if you're, it's always better to do that, right? Because you're building those niche sites and it's good that you can, that's when you can sometimes beat out the big players. Um, I love that. I love that. So what, if, let me ask you this question. So what happens if you're not niche down, like you're not, you know, you're not very specific. You are a mini Amazon. Um, anything, any recommendations there? That That's a really tough one. Um, I mean, if yeah. you have a really big catalog, you just expect it's going to take a lot more resources and link building and on-page optimization and content development to do it. You're, it, it the battle just got a lot more uphill. And um, I mean, we've had some clients where they do sell 
a whole like a huge catalog and then uh, what we decided to do they had one category that was just kicking ass like literally 90 percent of the revenue was coming from one category and uh what we did is this is kind of more interesting case study test that we did we literally no indexed the rest of the website that wasn't mm -hmm. part of this one category and you know, Google comes around and recrawls it and sees like, oh, like we're really, really hyper focused on this one category now, and the rankings actually went up from it. So they That's got awesome. even more revenue from that that particular category. So the net revenue was a was a positive by just no indexing the less relevant um, sections of the website. Well, what I love about that is that it's like obviously Google is telling you, hey this is where you need to be, right? Like if you get 90% of your traffic is coming to this one thing, like why fight that? If you're looking to, I'm not going to say game Google, but you're looking to, you know, get up in the rankings, then well, that's what I always tell people. It's like, don't ignore the signs you're seeing, right? Like it's, yeah. you're, you're getting, it's very clear messaging here. And people are like, yeah, but I want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, you can, you want to pay for that. Absolutely. <laughs> and potentially, can we rank? Potentially, but really at the end of the day, it comes down to like, what are the signs that Google, Google's telling you? Google's telling you, hey, for this right here, we're giving you favorable rankings because we really yep. like what you got going on there. So, you know, don't don't try to get in the way of the beast and try to fight the beast. Like go along with the, the stream and figure go, out what you need to do. Go with the grain, 100%. And I, I love the no indexing too. That was awesome. Good I move. don't know if you remember like, you know, back when Google search console was called Google Webmaster Tools. There was one report that, you know, very few people even remember. It was this, um, I think it was like content keywords report would actually show you with these little blue little blue line graphs of like um, what keywords it thinks your domain is most relevant for. They don't, they don't have any more. They took it out. But just the fact that they had it in there, it shows you that on a domain level, they're going to show you, they know exactly what keywords are associated with your domain. So by niching down, all of a sudden you're increasing your relevancy for that smaller set of keywords. I would love to have that back. That would be yeah. nice to have back because it was, I don't think people understood the value of that because that's that's big, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're saying, okay, why write content about this, this, and this? In Google's eyes, I'm favorable in this area. So once again, why, why fight the beast? Double down. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. It's been very great having you on this episode. Decoding e-commerce SEO with you has been super informative and fun. For our listeners, thanks for tuning into this conversation. But there's more to come. On my next episode, Jeff is going to discuss the gravity of backlink for modern e-commerce businesses. So stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast.